Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Happy hump day, everybody. You people, welcome <laughs> to After 9. Careful now. Uh, I, you know what? I, I did it again and I haven't done it in a while. I decided I wanted to advocate a little bit for some of the smaller businesses because, I mean, fuck me, Kat. Look at what's going on here. Take away all the the shit, the number corrections from the government yesterday. Uh, for those who don't know, the Ontario government put out its daily COVID cases, and the whole thing was just a hot mess because in over a year, we still haven't figured out how to count in this province. So get this. Yesterday, they reported 296 new COVID cases in Ontario and 60 deaths. But when you look into it, 54 of those deaths were from previous months that they only just discovered in a data review. 80 of those new cases were from last year. Oh, what? I mean, how does that happen, though? I'm I'm, what? 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 I don't know if it's a serious lack of fucks given or if they're incompetent. And I do fully agree that every case needs to be counted. Even if somebody died from something other than COVID, if they had COVID, it should be in with those numbers. Because when this is all over with, we need to be able to look back and say, okay, here's how bad it was. These were the trends so that we can prepare for the next pandemic. And by the sounds of it, there probably will be another pandemic in our lifetime. So I think that everything should be counted. And yeah, they should put a little more effort into getting it right on a daily basis. Hey, listen, if... The hospitals are overwhelmed and one hospital doesn't report its daily number of people in the ICU. I get it. There's a lot going on in healthcare. Not that it's the actual doctors and nurses that report that, by the way, but I get that they're busy. But this is unacceptable. They're counting cases now from a year ago in today's yesterday's daily counts. It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Thank you. That is the actually appropriate word that I would use with that. It is embarrassing. And it's just like... Adding another piece of shit to the pile, for lack of a better way to say it, but it really is. There's been so many things that just make you roll your eyes. And then you see headlines of things that obviously it doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense. And then you hear, oh, there's a correction. Like, well, how? How did that happen, man? Like, what's happening behind the scenes here? And you don't, you don't realize that this is why you lose trust in people too, right? Thank you. Well, that's what it seems like. It seems like they're trying to rewrite a different narrative because... And maybe I'm wrong, but maybe you're Doug Ford listening to this podcast right now. Let me tell you something, Doug. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of kids that can't play sports. There are people that are professionals in their field that are forced out of work. And they're forced out of work because you're using these numbers to guide you, Mm -hmm. allegedly. So when the numbers start getting real good and people start thinking, fuck, finally, even Doug can't keep us close for much longer. And then you pull out out of nowhere a whole bunch of cases from a year ago and add them to the daily numbers to make them look consistent with the other day's numbers. That makes people not trust you. And it's not going to be the administrator at the, uh, I don't know, Trillium Health Network that didn't put the numbers in one day that's going to wear this. It's going to be you. And you, Doug, have said yourself many times, it falls on me. It fall- I'm the guy at the top, so I'm the one who has to accept responsibility. 
then you better goddamn well start accepting responsibility for this. Stand up and say what the problem is. If we only had 216 new cases out of 14 and a half million people yesterday, we should be celebrating that. Not using that as the day to tack on 80 new cases from a year ago. I'm missing that right now. I'm missing that honesty, that straight up, uh, here's what's going on. Because even if you aren't 100% sure, we know you're not 100% sure. So don't act like maybe you know, but then don't say anything or, you know, flub your way through. Just be honest. I'm missing that now. I feel like we got that wave one. We're not getting any of that anymore. It's just like completely disappeared. They're being too careful. Maybe that's what they think. But it's honestly really causing a lot of people to lose trust, myself included. People have lost trust. I've lost trust. I don't believe a word that Nassi says because it seems like every time they talk, it's to suit the situation that we're in or a political interest. When Doug swears he's following the science, but these poor hairdressers are still forced out Mm -hmm. of a job. They could be making a paycheck, paying their way in life, paying taxes for the privilege of living in this kingdom that we all live in. They could be doing those things and being self-sufficient. You're forcing them to stay home and live on a government subsidy, not an income replacement, a subsidy, a piss in the ocean, really, without any actual science to say that it's Mm -hmm. dangerous. Mm -hmm. If it was about mobility, like it was at the height of wave three and wave two, maybe I could understand that, but it's not about mobility. We're not under a stay-at-home order. Why are they still closed? And, And here's the problem, too. The modeling was wrong. The government didn't think that we would have this many people double vaccinated at this point. We needed to get to 70% with a first shot, 20% with a second shot. I'm pretty sure actually that was the criteria for step three. We're still in step one. And I get that it happened sooner than you thought, but you've got to be able to move on your feet and say, okay, listen, Dr. Dave Williams, he's basically just a fuck who is doing nothing but punishing people at this point. He's retiring on Saturday. We don't care what he thinks anymore. He did a great job in wave one, completely shit the bed in wave two. And in wave three, it's almost like he's just lost his mind. He's retiring on Saturday. It doesn't matter what he thinks. Take the shot, Doug. Let people open up. Let them have a fair fighting chance at getting their business and their livelihood back. Before that debt goes so far into the red, let them have a shot. Please, God, Doug, let them do it. Let them have their life back. What danger are you protecting us from here right now? I get that COVID's out there and there's a variant and now there's a variant of the variant. What are they calling that? Delta Plus now? Yeah, as if it's a fucking streaming service we're all signing up for. Yeah, it's a Delta Plus. I get that that's out there, Doug, but God damn it. Uh, if we believe that vaccines work, then you better come out and say vaccines work. And if you believe it, then you've got to prove it and let people live their lives. And and when are we going to be at the point where the people who don't feel safe should be encouraged to stay home? But the people who do feel safe and that are double vaccinated, that have taken every piece of advice the government has given for the last year and a bit can get on with their lives. Right, because shit's going we need to we need to be honest with ourselves that stuff's going to happen. Uh, for example, I just read this morning an article about um a nursing home in Florida. So this is in Florida, and a bunch of people got sick there. One person died. 
the, there's one person that came out without even a case of COVID. And they happen to be the only person at that particular place that was fully vaccinated. So I'm thinking those kind of stories are going, we're going to start to hear more about that, whether it's at a workplace or a business or whatever. We need to know that it is going to be a factor. And I think the sooner you realize, okay, stuff, it might slip through the cracks, but at least 99% of people who feel safe and are out and about doing that are going to be fine. Right? Yeah. You know, know. it's a numbers thing for me at this point. Sure. And, And listen, I understand the argument. We don't want a fourth lockdown. In fact, I think this is the one where Doug needs to come out and say it himself. Don't just send Christine out to say it. Doug himself needs to say, we've done the lockdown thing. It did more harm than good. So if it comes to that, if there's a fourth wave, we will be looking at other ways of controlling the spread. You know, just once I want somebody to say we fucked up. We shut down the shit that was safe. And we left to open the stuff that was dangerous. Those congregate living settings, those manufacturing facilities, the warehouses, that's where a lot, a lot, a lot of the cases came from. And we left them open and we let companies like the one Doug himself owns stay open, doing their shit, while people that were not part of the problem got forced to stay home. And all I'm saying here, Doug, is you've got to move quick reevaluate you said this 21 day thing and and well that's all well and good i'm sure that was well intentioned it's just not working in reality because we are so far ahead we're at step three minimum requirements but we're still in step one because you guys can't seem to pivot and move on your feet the target was the target and i understand the 21 days but i also don't understand the 21 days we've been vaccinating people since december There's a lot of people that have had those two shots in their arm for a very long time. And it's time now to say vaccines work. We are going to have a very, very, very accelerated, but still common sense, safe return to the economy. And I I just don't understand why they won't. But part of the problem, too, here is there's a lot of different interests pulling the government in a lot of different directions. I do have a feeling that this government is terrified of the possibility of losing an election next June or being reduced to a minority government mm-hmm. where Andrea Horvath would hold the balance of power yeah. or Steve Del Duca. The, the, uh, on, the only thing, the only reason Doug right now is as popular as he is, is because the alternative is no better. I don't think people think, fuck, Doug doesn't deserve another term. He has... Uh, mishandled this. He has not been honest. He has not followed science. He hasn't done a lot of things. He intentionally kept people out of work longer than they needed to be. And he shut down schools longer than they needed to be closed. That's unacceptable. But what am I going to do? Vote for the NDP or the liberals? Not with Steve Del Duca and Andrea Horvath. That's just not going to work. God help Doug Ford. If the liberals for some reason, find a way to hold a leadership convention and, and get somebody likable in charge or the NDP because that's the only thing keeping Doug alive right now. But when I say though, that people need to get on the same page, there's people at very different extremes. There's some people screaming, let kids play sports. I think most people can agree that with the level of vaccination that we're at right now, there's no danger to kids playing outdoor sports right now. That's fine. We can agree on that. 
But then you get some people who are saying, let the salons open up. I think we can all agree that's probably a safe activity for the most part, as safe as it's going to be. But then you get other people screaming with the vaccination rates, take off the masks. Okay, listen, I understand where you're coming from, but you're going too far down the road when you start demanding right now that we take the masks off. I get it. I understand where you're coming from. I don't like wearing one either, but I'm not here saying we should remove the mask mandate. I'm just saying that people who can work safely should be allowed to work safely. Enough's enough, Doug. Enough's enough. Mm -hmm. You've got to let these people get back to work. Hey, you know, and the cool thing is um, with the eligibility being a little more broad, especially as of today uh, in Ontario and a lot of different hotspots, they've accelerated eligibility, if you will. Um, That's good. Sites have crashed here in the region of Waterloo, where we do our show. Our local site crashed, which is frustrating for people, but it also means there's enough people. They are rushing to get that second dose. So you know there's going to be enough people wanting it and that will be willing to do it. So you know that is inevitable, but I think they worry too much. They worry too much, (laughs) right? Yeah, I... And maybe that's all it is. Maybe Doug really just truly is shit-scared He got the reality check of a lifetime during the third wave when we were building field hospitals, and it it, it all looked terrible for a while there. Maybe Doug is just scared. And Doug, if you are, I get it. I totally understand. But you need to look at today's numbers and yesterday's numbers and go back a couple of weeks. The trend is going right. The vaccinations are going right. Everything is coming together nicely, and not to mention the warm weather, the vitamin D that people are getting. Doug, you should be cheering on the meteorologists every day to bring you a sunny forecast where people can get out and enjoy. But the longer you keep them like this, the more you're fucking people. And they're not okay with it. Let people work, goddammit. Let them have their livelihood. There's nothing more satisfying than the ability to earn a check, a living. And you've taken it away from them for too long. You have to let them get back to work, Doug. Please, will you see it? I'm trying to advocate here for people who are in safe industries. They're not doing anything wrong. It's not going to get any more safe than the rules they'll be under when they open. COVID's going to be here for a long time. Now we've got variants on variants. This isn't going away. So you need to figure out a way to live with it. And part of living with it is letting people live. So there's my plea to Doug Ford to please, you know, I mean, I've tried being angry. I've tried being reasonable. I've tried being supportive of the good things and critical of the bad things. And nothing seems to be getting through to this guy. If you're just that fucking terrified of the water, then Doug, stop going to the beach or walk away. Let somebody else be in charge. Let somebody else make that decision. But this decision needs to get made. Enough's enough. 200 cases out of 14 and a half million death tolls in the single digits. It's tragic when anyone dies. It is. But shit, Doug, the rest of the there's other things that you aren't taking into account here. I know it's anecdotal, but fuck, there's people jumping in front of trains every single day now. It's awful, cat. Just awful how sad and depressed people are and how much damage has been done to their personal finances. So, so bad. Anyway, uh, like I said, that's my plea to Doug. I I hope it finds its way to the premier's office because it needs to happen. Hmm. Uh, Talk about a couple other things here. Yes, please. 
Please, are you sick of COVID? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Some days, yes, I am. I honestly, and I, again, I'm just I, I'm doing what I've been doing the whole time and trying my best to focus on the good stuff. T- today, for me, the win there is that a lot of people want to get that second dose. They're trying their best, or some trying to get their first dose. Still, that's fine. Uh, Who doesn't but, have their first dose? Like everybody had an opportunity to get it, there, right? Yeah, there are people that waited it out, and I know there's going to be some people who are doing the same with second dose, right? Even though they're eligible, they know it's going to be a shit show. I know it's going to be a shit show. I, we we've seen it already. Like I said, some sites are crashing, and the Ontario portal, I'm sure, is no different. It's probably a lot of people there. Thankfully, the some areas are just doing walk-in availability, which is kind of cool for first dose specifically apparently you can just walk into most places and it's if it's your first dose you get front of line access basically so they're living the vip life if they haven't got the first dose but you're right there's been lots of opportunity some people maybe they were hesitant and wanted to figure things out for themselves for whatever the reason um i hope everybody goes out and gets their shot uh the sooner you do the sooner we can get back to life i mean i know there's people that want to wait and see what happens to other people and shit but I don't know if you're going to find the information you're looking for in short order. So if you think you might get it eventually, you might as well just get it sooner than later and, and just let's get on with this. Uh, that's just my take, though. You do you, boo-boo. <laughs> that's one of the words or phrases that probably drives people crazy, right? You do you, you, do you boo-boo. you, boo-boo. I do it when I'm being super sarcastic and over the top. You do you, boo-boo, just to kind of just give a little dirt into that wound. You know what I mean? That's what one of the things we were talking about on our FM radio show today is words or phrases that just drive people nuts. And I found uh, a lot of them are the cliche sayings. The one that gets me every time is it is what it is. Yeah. There's Wait. no more dismissive way to tell somebody to fuck off than saying it is what it is. That's when there's just nothing to say, right? You say it is what it is when there's actually no, no Nothing you can give that person. It is what it is, but it seems like they're expecting a response from you. That's mm-hmm. when I, whenever I use it and I have used it, that's that's what I use it for. Like, what do you expect me to tell you? Give you a solution to a problem that doesn't have a solution? It is what it is. Like, what are you going to do, right? And yeah. that is another one, by the way, is what are you going to do? <laughs> right? <laughs> what are you going to do? The, um, it, it is such a dismissive way, though, of dealing with something. And you really have to pick your moments to say it is what it is. I mean, if somebody uh, uh, spent a hundred bucks on Lotto Max tickets last night and didn't win, and they're pissed that they're out a hundred bucks, it is what it is. You took a shot, <laughs> so you could probably get away with it in that circumstance. When somebody's house burns down and all their possessions are gone, oh, to say that nah, is what it is. That is that? not okay. What kind of an asshole would say that to someone whose house burned down? Well, That's I mean, terrible. Like you said, you say that when there's nothing else to say. Ah, it is what it is. House is gone. I guess we're just going to have to figure out what's next, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's true, but it's such a bad way to say it. You're, you're right. I know. Um, a couple came up that, you're right, cliche ones came up a lot. Another day, another dollar, which I uh-huh. don't hear a lot. Um, there's one that I did another not. Another day in paradise is one that people uh-huh. are using a lot. Just or, another day in paradise. Or live in the dream. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Just don't say anything. Just don't. How, how are you today? Oh, just live in the dream. You know what? I'm just going to start to say things like, I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to be very dismissive. Like, if that's mm-hmm. what we're going to say, instead of the cliches, I'm going to just be like, I don't fucking know. Like, I don't even know. Uh, and another one I actually didn't even know existed. I didn't know existed. I made up a definition for it that is not accurate at all, is no cap. Oh, yeah. I've so never no heard cap, that. It's one of those 
I don't know if it's like the Toronto man slang or if it's just something that kids are saying these days, but there's a whole bunch of them that just drive me fucking crazy. You can be talking to a, a younger person these days and and they'll use terms like no cap, fam. They're just using it interchangeably with many other words that don't make sense. They're they're saying um, uh, a whole bunch of different things. It drives me fucking crazy. Oh, I know. So no cap, for those wondering, means no lie, which I didn't know. No cap Facts. means like, oh, Scott, I went out last night and I got wasted. No cap. I guess that's how you'd say it. You could tell that I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't run in circles with the Gen Zers because I've right. got no fucking idea what I'm talking about. But Facts. I thought I thought no cap would be like there's no cap on it. Like I was thinking too literally. So I thought, oh, that's kind of cool, right? Like, okay, so here's the deal. We're going to do this. No cap means we're not going to put an end time to it. We're not going to put a X amount of money on what we're going to spend. Let's just go all in. It's like a way of saying go all in. No cap. But I'm completely, I'm completely wrong. I like my version better. I'm going to start using that in the wrong, in the wrong way. Yeah. Fam. Fam. That's a. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike, fam but drives me insane, Scott. Fam. Yeah. Oh, fam. It's like the equivalent to when I grew up and it was guy. Hey, guy. I just, I don't, I don't like, I don't dig it. It's not for me. Um, my cousin was listening this morning and she sent me a text on one of the things that we were talking about when someone says, cause I didn't understand where this comes from on accident instead of by accident. Like, Oh, you know, I was, I was just going through Netflix and I found the show on accident on accident. What the fuck is that? Like, is English not your first language? Because that doesn't make sense at all. I can't stand it. So anyway, she tells me, and she goes to the States often, it's an American thing. It is very American, and a lot of Americans will say on accident instead of by accident. I'm not sure if that's where it originated, but I don't like it. So that was another one that was brought up this morning. Yeah, it was a really good topic on the show today. But another thing that came up that probably requires a little bit of clarification was our discussion about staycations. The border... It's going to be kind of open, but not really open, and it's it's really not accessible if you've got young kids that aren't old enough to get vaccinated because they'll have to self-isolate, whereas if you're, self, if you're double-vaxxed, you won't have to self-isolate. It's a bit of a mess, some of these first-step border rules that are coming into place, so there will be a lot of people who will opt for a staycation this year. But what does staycation mean? Because when you and I were talking about it before our show even started this morning, you and I had two completely different ideas about what that actually means. You define what a staycation is. Okay, so for me, a staycation, like if I had a week off and I told you, oh, I'm just going to do a staycation, I'm likely sleeping in my own bed at night. But I might do some day trips and I might plan to have people over or go to someone's house and maybe stay up later than I usually would and do some fun activities. But I'm staying at my house at night. But I'll probably still, like I said, do some drives, things like that. That, to me, is a staycation. Okay, so when we did ask this on the show this morning, I, I think the one that came in the most was people saying their idea of a staycation is being on vacation but not actually going anywhere. Just going on with your regular Saturday-Sunday routine on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, you know, go to Home Depot, go to Walmart, do your groceries, whatever, but you don't actually go anywhere. To me, a staycation is domestic. If I'm going to Ottawa for the weekend, that's a staycation. If I'm going to the falls, that's a staycation. Hell, if I'm going to Sobble Beach, that's a staycation. 
even if I'm going out to like the East Coast or the West Coast, if it's in Canada, that doesn't feel very vacation-y to me. And I know this is the controversial part, but I said it this morning and I stand by it. To me, I'm not on vacation if I go to Halifax. I love Halifax. It's a great city, but it's not a vacation to me. We're still using Canadian money and as beautiful as the ocean is. When you're looking at it, when you turn around, you still see a Tim Hortons and a Canadian tire and all that shit. If I uh, walk into a a donut shop, there's going to be a copy of the the Toronto Sun or the Toronto Star on the table. Like, that's not a vacation to me. So I just assume that it's a staycation. That's what I honestly thought that word meant. Yeah. See, I disagree. If I'm booking a trip to, let's throw a beautiful Banff, Alberta, out there. If I'm booking a trip to Banff, that is a vacation. I'm staying in a beautiful hotel. I've got mountains as my view, beautiful lakes nearby, wildlife that you don't see wandering around where I live, at least. So that, to me, is a vacation. I am hopping on a plane. I am staying somewhere else. It's a vacation. Can I tell you, though, that doing that trip out to Banff or maybe you're going out to the Okanagan uh, in, in British Columbia, something like that is far, far, far more expensive than most of the places you could travel to outside of Canada. Well, that's a whole other issue that I have. I mean, you're absolutely right. I'm thankful for for some airlines. And I know they're shit. Like, I understand. Flare Air, if you're going to take Flare Air, you're not traveling in luxury. But at least it does get you to those kind of spots cheaper. And I think we've always needed that for a long, long time. Because if you want us to spend money in our own country, you need to make these things more affordable. So it is a vacation. To be honest, you could probably do a trip around Canada that would cost you the same amount as doing one in Europe. Yep. It's it's very expensive. So I don't know how you could say that that's not a vacation. Yeah, I mean, I don't equate vacation to the amount of money spent, but I do uh I do, I do feel like even the culture here is the same in, in almost every part of Canada. It's the same. And when I go over to Europe, it's a very different feel there. I feel like I'm on vacation here. I just feel like it's a different part of Canada. And to me, that is a staycation. I've stayed in Canada. Now I'm not at home, but I feel like I've stayed here. I don't feel like I'm on vacation when I stay at like Deerhurst or something like that, in Northern Ontario. And I don't feel like I'm on vacation if I'm in Calgary or Halifax or Charlottetown. It, to me, it's just not a vacation. But uh, to each their own. I don't know that we ever will come up with a true definition for staycation. But I will say that, uh, back to the earlier point, there are some places, whether it be uh, bed and breakfasts, Airbnbs, even some airlines, some cities that are offering some pretty good incentives to go out there. If you're a golfer and they ever do open up the Atlantic bubble to people from Ontario again, you can get some great golf vacations in Canada right now. Courses that you probably wouldn't play otherwise, unless it was this price. So uh, look into it if you're looking for somewhere to go. Uh, Before we get to this next part, I do want to say that tomorrow we'll have a special guest on the After 9 podcast. The good people at AshleyMadison.com are coming on because they've released their Summer of Sex Index for all of Canada. Ranking the cities that are ready to start fucking. (laughs) They call it Hot Vax Summer. And because so many people are bored as shit from having been at home through five different seasons, because they're vaccinated and feeling more confident, because the warmer weather's here, and because you're actually getting a little taste of freedom again, 
People are ready to do it. You're horny. You're getting horny. So you say Ashley Madison. That's awesome. I would love, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because we've talked about Ashley Madison on and off many times, even in the podcast with their surveys or any other kind of subject matter that surrounds it. This is for anybody, right? I mean, it's not necessarily for those who are looking to cheat, which for those that don't know is what AshleyMadison.com is all about. Well, I think there's two different kinds of people. There's some people who will go on their site and use it specifically to hook up an affair. There's other people who just use it as one of the the tools in their tool belt of trying to meet new people. I mean, you don't have to be in a committed relationship to go on to Ashley Madison. It's not just for people who cheat. So, yeah, I mean, there's people who probably have a profile on there and they're just ready to. Let's be honest. There's some people who will nail anything that'll move right now. Like if it lays still long enough, they're going to fuck it. So <laughs> it's true. So I'm thinking that this probably is fairly accurate. It probably is going to be the summer of sex. And we'll find out which cities are tops in Canada for getting ready to bang. I've already seen it. And I can tell you that one of them is on the East Coast. And it doesn't surprise me even a little bit. Okay. I love it. Uh, We made a bit of progress here in Canada yesterday, Kat. We did in that the Senate has now voted to approve a private member's bill that amends the criminal code provisions around gambling on single sports games. Okay. So that, you know what? That's pretty cool for some people who are the betting type. Right. I mean, it's all, it's always been weird to me. I don't know who's lobbying on behalf of the horse racing industry, but I mean, they got prioritized in the reopenings during COVID and you've always been able to bet on horse racing. But you couldn't bet on a hockey game. You couldn't go to Casino Niagara and place a bet on whether or not uh, the Islanders are going to come back and beat Tampa Bay to go to the Stanley Cup. You couldn't do that. But now you can. Betting on single games of football, hockey, and other sports is about to become legal in Canada. So will this be up to the people? Sorry, just out of clarification here. Would this be up to the people who are holding the bets place that are going to allow you to place bets as to the details of that. Like for example, betting on whether a team's going to win or lose probably won't win you a lot of dough, but will there be a little bit of prop bets happening within this? Does this open the door for everything? Well, uh, the prop bets thing in particular is a really good question because I think there's a little bit of gray area in there where they could take prop bets. You don't necessarily just have to bet on the outcome. You should in theory be able to bet on whether or not, uh, I don't know, somebody's going to score a goal from uh, beyond the half line, whether or not uh, a goal is going to be disallowed because they were offside. Like those are all prop bets that you can make in many other countries, but not in Canada until now. So, yeah, prop bets should be a good part of it. You'll definitely be able to bet on the winners and losers. There's people that play pro line and that's fine. That's technically the legal way to do it right now. But, I mean, what if I just want to bet on a game? What if I want to put some money on Vegas beating Montreal tomorrow night in game six? I should be able to do that. And there are ways to do that, but it's very inconvenient, and my money is not staying in Canada. Part of the reason they pitched this bill is to compete with the offshore gambling sites, the U.S. casinos, and even, yeah, the illegal bookmakers. There's people out there that will allow you to bet. They're a bookie, though. 
and they don't necessarily play by the same rules. <laughs> you don't necessarily want to get tangled up with a bookie. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. That's a personal choice, but I mean, it's not legal. This is, though, another example of we can't fight the underground market, so let's legalize it. In the same way the government agreed, yeah, we can't compete with illegal cannabis, so we'll just legalize cannabis across the country, and then we can at least make some tax revenue on it. We can bring it above board. Now they're doing it with gambling. I think that's good. I do worry about people that have gambling addictions though yeah sure it's always going to be a worry right yeah yeah and i mean again i don't think the government's job is to protect us from ourselves but i i do hope that there's some checks and balances there to make sure that people who legitimately need help don't lose everything and and you could if you're that convinced that montreal is going to win the stanley cup and you want to bet on it there's some people who would bet their entire house on it Mm -hmm. if they're that into it and, and that does worry me but Uh, Other countries have figured this out, and I'm sure we can too. But my question is, what's next? What else is illegal that we can't compete with, but we know it's going on, so we might as well just legalize it? Is it going to be harder drugs? Prostitution? What is it? Assault? (laughs) You know, I don't think they're ever going to legalize assault. But there are certain (laughs) things that we just can't compete with the black market on. (laughs) The the Purge? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yes, death is okay for one day only a year. Yeah. Uh, today's a special day. It marks one month until the start of the Summer Olympics in Japan. Mm. I don't know if anybody cares. <laughs> this might be the worst rated Olympics in the history of the Olympics. God. I was reading this morning all of the, the, the rules that will be in play when it comes to cake. Okay, Thinking about watching the Olympics, there's a couple of things that comes to mind. I've never been there in person. That would probably be the coolest. But watching on TV can still be fun, right? So when you're watching it on TV, you're not, they're probably going to have to put in some fake cheers and reaction because you're not allowed to cheer. No cheering from people in the crowd. The capacity is also limited there. So you're going to see like, I don't know, 50%, let's say, wearing masks, Absolutely no cheering. Also, they enter as, right when the competition is about to start, and they have to get up and leave the second it's done. No lingering around, clapping hands, podium. Oh, it's fun. So it's definitely not going to look the same. So I feel like even from a viewer perspective, uh, I'm not as interested in watching it for that reason. I want to spend as much time as possible outside not watching TV this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Olympics a year late in Japan where they don't even have a very high vaccination rate and they still are dealing with COVID with the amount of athletes that already have and some that will still pull out Mm -hmm. because they're worried about COVID. I mean, Dennis Shapovalov pulled off of the uh, Canadian tennis team. He doesn't want to go because it doesn't seem safe. And I don't blame him or anyone else that says no. Absolutely, I really don't know why we're doing it. Even in Japan, there's massive opposition to going forward with the Olympics. It's money. And and that sh- that surprises me too because you feel like they a lot of the sponsors pulled out anyway because they know like you and I many people are not going to be interested in watching it this year. But they're still set to make some money. So I really do think this is just a financial thing and that's it. And they're hoping to just scrape at least as much dough as they could possibly make off of this. But what a waste. Did they have the opportunity to push it back one more year? Was that even given to them? Because I know this is supposed to be the 2020 Olympics, now in 2021. Could it have been pushed to 2022? Or was that just out of the question and it was this year or nothing? 
I mean, I think it was this year or nothing. There's right. a lot of athletes who specifically trained for the 2020 Summer Olympics. And your body's got a short shelf life when it comes to peak athleticism. And and they're quickly right. falling out of that window. Right. Not to mention with all the restrictions here, our athletes have not been able to adequately train mm-hmm. unless they left the country and went somewhere else. And that's pathetic. Yeah. So I I just wish they'd scrap the whole thing or... One year only. I also would be okay with them giving themselves a good shot at being successful and moving the Olympics to October or November. Move it back a few months. When people are starting to go back indoors, the summertime vibe has died off a little bit. We're becoming a little more interested in TV again. They could get those those great legendary Olympic-style ratings if they didn't do it in the summer this year. And it also gives Japan a little more time to prepare because they don't exactly have COVID completely under control over there. I think that a fall Summer Olympics would be better than a Summer Olympics in this case. That's just me, though. Uh, Before we wrap this up, there's two stories that you need to cover here just in the name of getting all the good content in. First off, uh, I'm going to ask you to explain Vin Diesel and his deal with The Rock because I'd kind of like to see them fight. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just a good old fashioned boxing match, Vin Diesel and The Rock. OK, so I'll take you back first to 2016, because I think you you might have when you heard Scott say that, maybe you're like, yeah, didn't they fight before? They did. So 2016, it was right after the I think it was the eighth Fast and Furious movie came out where The Rock was in it. The Rock posted an Instagram picture of it. And it was not the picture. It was what was in the caption that caught people's attention. And I'll read the caption verbatim. Can Uh, He said that I loved being with most people on set who conduct themselves as stand-up men and true professionals. While others don't, the ones who don't are too chicken shit to do anything about it anyway. Candy asses. (laughs) Uh, Now, he, he added at the bottom, when you watch the movie next April and it seems like I'm not acting in some of these scenes and my blood is legit boiling, you're right. So, obviously, people had questions, did a little digging, and it turns out him and Vin were not on the same page. Now, Vin is a producer of the franchise. At the time, he had posted something about The Rock, and it went back and forth. They made it seem like everything was peaceful between the two of them. By the time Dwayne The Rock Johnson's spinoff came out, uh, Luke and Hobbs, what is it, Hobbs and whatever the heck it was, he did a spinoff. Yes. So Vin, I think, was also a little bit jealous, if I can be honest. Regardless, he has now in Men's Health Magazine rehashed that. And he says that basically what happened was he had an opinion on what his care, what what the character of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Hobbs, should look like. He was a producer. So he said, you need to do this. You need to embody this character in this way. And basically Dwayne The Rock Johnson did not like that Vin Diesel was telling him how to act, even though Dwayne The Rock Johnson is an absolute superstar. So I'm sure there was a lot of like ego at play with this between both. But that's basically what he's telling Men's Health Magazine. Is it really just happened because he was trying to get the best performance out of Dwayne The Rock Johnson? And Dwayne The Rock Johnson didn't like that and thought that he should be able to do it on his own. But Vin claimed, nope, you need help to make sure this character comes across as this character because nobody wants to see you as the wrestler, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Hmm. Hot take. I mean, he's the most recognizable star on the planet. I don't know that he necessarily needs any professional advice from Vin Diesel, uh, but I'm curious to see if anything comes of this. 
Britney Spears is in court today. Mm-hmm. A conservatorship is what she is appealing. Basically, her father has been running her life for years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's wrong. It's yeah. wrong at this point. Yeah. Uh, conservatorships are in place for a couple of different reasons. Uh, typically made for elderly people. You see it a lot there. Uh, people with disabilities who are basically just I- in need of care that have a decent amount of money and, and need to make sure that their assets are taken care of. So in 2016, though, this is the interesting part. So new paperwork was submitted ahead of her being in court that shows that she spoke with an investigator on this issue and wanted her dad to be out then. So that was five years ago, adding at one point, this is crazy to me. When she was in Vegas making all the money, right, making like a million a week, she was given a $2,000 a week allowance. She also And she had to ask for more. So if she wanted more, she had to ask. In one of those cases... All she wanted to do was stain her kitchen cabinets. She didn't want to make a. She didn't want to go crazy. She didn't want to spend millions on a car or something stupid. She wanted to stain her kitchen cabinets and was told, "No, not in the budget." So that's one example of apparently many that her lawyers have on hand and probably will be brought up in court today. This is a. This has been going on for thirteen years. The other part that to me is jaw-dropping here is that it's not even like she wants out of a conservatorship altogether. She's okay with it. She just doesn't want her dad to be a part of it. Because it got sketchy, man. He hired someone without her consent or knowledge, all of a sudden that was just on the payroll, making apparently a lot of money. It was a friend of her dad's making her money. The other part that makes my jaw drop with this whole thing is Brittany's not just paying for her lawyers in this case. Because this is a conservatorship case, she's also paying for the lawyers who are against her. She's paying for everything in this case. It's insane. So I think that's what made her lawyer and her agree. Like, if you don't say something here, I don't know what's going to happen. So speaking up might be the best thing for you. And so back in April, she requested for her to be in front of the judge in person. The judge said, of course you may. And today's the day. She actually gets to speak in her own words. That said, guys, I don't know what's going to be made public here. I'm not sure if there's going to be a statement by Brittany. It's possible that she'll just release everything all at once on social media, have a statement. Maybe she will leave it up to her lawyers to give that statement out. Maybe there will be recordings available. At this point, nothing in court, recording-wise, has been made available except for some paperwork. So we're going to find out what happens, but maybe not exactly from her mouth. I'm not sure. Do you think she knows how much money she has? I mean, she knows, okay, well, I signed that deal to play in Vegas yeah, and I was making a million dollars a week. Uh, I, I must have, I don't know, 52 million in the bank. That's- she might not have any clue how yeah. much she's worth. That's an interesting question. And I'm not sure if through this case yet they have given an update on her current worth or what's in the bank, let's say. Let's not even go with net worth. Let's go with what, what's in the bank. I'm not sure that they've made that clear, but I'm I'm positive the judge will have access to that information because they'll probably need to in order to, to figure out what happens. Such a strange situation. Okay, we'll uh, follow that and we'll have it covered tomorrow morning on our FM radio show and right back here in the After 9 podcast. Again, tomorrow, ashleymadison.com going to join us to talk about the cities that are ready to screw this summer. So that'll be fun. (laughs) Have yourselves an excellent hump day, everybody. And we will catch you right back here tomorrow. Coors just launched a new ice cream that is infused with their hard seltzer. (laughs) They didn't pitch that on Shark Tank. They pitched that on Drunk Tank. Oh, Here in the U.S., 
More than 45% of the population is fully vaccinated, which is not enough. According to the CDC, 18 to 24-year-olds are the age group least likely to get vaccinated and most unsure about getting a shot. When you're that age, you think you're invincible. But we're talking about the same generation that can't have peanut butter and jelly in their lunchbox, okay? (laughs) They are definitely not invincible. Las Vegas Raiders uh, defensive end Carl Nassib yesterday became the first active NFL player in history to come out as gay. Said fans, what? The Raiders play in Vegas now? The After 9 podcast is powered by Tony Johal. Broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.